Welcome to The Offering with Jerry Hara, the show where we can have a quiet and frank discussion as adults about the things that matter to me, or at least that I think matter to me. Please take a moment to subscribe to our show wherever you get fine podcasts. And hey, stay up to date on future episodes. Hey, folks, it's your old pal, Jerry Hara. And this week on The Offering, we talk all about The Conjuring, as well as some of the history and legacy of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Assist us, O Lord, our God, and defend us evermore by the might of thy holy cross, in which honor thou makest us rejoice, through Christ our Lord. Amen. My name is Jerry Hara, and welcome to The Offering. This week we were talking about The Conjuring, as well as the history and legacy of Ed and Lorraine Warren. I have to paint a bit of a picture here for you. I've got my cross. It's affixed to a tripod of mine. Uh, We've got the lights real low. Got the candles burning, got the cross in my hand, it's hanging out. Um, The Conjuring is a 2013 movie made by James Wan, and it turned into a worldwide franchise juggernaut that has now spawned eight movies, with a ninth one that has just arrived, The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. Um, It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy to see how big this franchise has become. Uh, it is now the highest-grossing franchise, horror franchise. It, Saw had that honor. They had just hit a billion. Well, they're way over a billion. And there is no sign of it stopping. Now that I said that, it's probably going to tank. But anyway, I digress. Um, I really have never had the forum to speak about a lot of the things that I've done. Um, I'd like to believe that I got my name, Jerry Hara, from watching a lot of horror movies and, and, you know, that sort of thing. But part of it actually comes from quite a bit of what we call urban exploration, uh, ghost hunting, whatever you want to call it. For a long time, I was one of those people who had sought out the unknown, the paranormal, and its existence. Uh, You could say that I rather chased it for quite some time. (sighs) Well, let me tell you something. If you go chasing these things, the worst thing that can happen is that you find it. Because I have to tell you, I found it. And that's another story for another time. But once I found it, I really didn't want to go keep looking anymore. I was very lucky uh, in my life to not have anything bad. But when you're seeking answers from the paranormal, perhaps even the supernatural... You talk about Ed and Lorraine Warren. Uh, They're from Connecticut, Catholic. I'm Catholic. Uh, They basically put everything that we know about paranormal activity, everything that we know kind of all goes back to Ed and Lorraine Warren. They completely pioneered everything. And for the most part, they were thought of as quacks or wackos. But now as things have progressed, and um, more and more has come out, we realize that they were pioneers in their field. A lot of times you, you see these things, people say, well, you got to prove it to me. Well, 
people want to see things. They want to see it. They want something tangible. And that's really been the problem of all kind of ghost hunting, paranormal study and whatnot, is that there's no tangible evidence. But I pose this question to you. Yeah, you can see, but you have other senses. You can hear, you can feel, you can smell, you can taste. Now, the thing is, is when you're dealing with supernatural activity, that comes into a, a big uh, part of it is what you feel. Some people who are empaths that are very sensitive to the whole thing, they're able to feel emotions. They're able to feel the reverberations of some kind of trauma that has occurred. Lorraine Warren was a clairvoyant. She's clairvoyant, psychic, whatever you want to call her. Uh, she was touched. She had some kind of powers. And uh, her and Ed, Ed was more the, the demonologist. And Ed, Ed used to like to go into houses and he would try to figure out what was the logical and rational explanation for the, the haunting or occurrence. He was always trying to rule out that there was any kind of ghost or that sort of thing or poltergeist. And I mean, you can't blame him, but he's a man of science and also a man of faith, which brings us back to the prayer. I was raised Catholic. And the thing with Catholicism is that it's one of the only religions that acknowledges the existence of these things. A lot of other religions don't really, you know, put pen to paper and say it, but it's all over there. I mean, if you read the Bible, it's there. They're talking about angels and demons. And even when we get into the whole demonology thing, a lot of times that's a fallen angel, fallen angel who has powers beyond that of a human. There comes in the supernatural part is when you have a creature or something that can operate on a level above humans, and now it's crossed over and it's become something else, it becomes a very dangerous thing. Uh, basically, Ed will tell you that 90% of his success was because of his wife, and the other part of it was because of his faith. And Lorraine always said that it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter whether you believe in God, whether you believe in this, that... You have to have some kind of higher power, and ultimately that is your faith. So you have to put your faith into something, and that's really where, where Ed's power came in, because he he was really a theologian. He enjoyed studying, you know, biblical things and transcripts, and he was into that stuff. So he was always trying to find out whether or not maybe was it a leaky pipe, was it a drafty doorway, what was causing the supernatural activity. Unfortunately, uh, Ed passed away uh, some years ago, and Lorraine did pass away too in 2019. She lived until she was 92. She had a fun and fruitful life. Um, inseparable. I mean, inseparable. And that's why it's such a testament even to these films that when you see um, it's Vera Farmiga, I, can't, I can never say her name, Vera Farmiga and uh, Patrick Patrick Wilson, that's right. Yeah, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga. And uh, there's something between those two actors. There's a chemistry that makes you root for them. Because at the heart of these films, there has to be something more than just scares. And that, I think, is why The Conjuring has become such a big thing. You know, because again, it's not just... We've only we're, we've entered the third film of the cycle, but there's there's eight other films, and I don't see any stopping because they went on so many adventures. But at the heart of this, the actors uh, Patrick Wilson, Vera Farmiga, 
the, the actors there, they embody this love. And I think that secretly, we all love them. And we want to see them win. We want to see the good guys win. We want, to, we want to put our faith into these characters. But these characters that people have loved, and it was pitch perfect casting, uh, they're based on real people. I was lucky enough in the late 90s, was able to go to Connecticut and see Ed and Lorraine's house. Um, Lorraine's daughter, Judy, and uh, their son-in-law were basically opening up the house to look at their occult museum and, uh, you know, get to see all the pictures and everything that they had done on their many adventures. And I was like, geez, you know, nobody was really talking about them because they had kind of fallen out of fashion. You know, Ed passed away in the 90s. And uh, I said, I have to go see this. I have to go see this house. I have to go see, you know, where, what is the origin of this stuff? Is it real? You know, again, is it tangible? So I go and uh, take the ferry over to Connecticut from Long Island. And uh, I get to the house and usually they would do tours and there would be groups. Well, two, three in the afternoon and I was the only person there. So I kind of got the best private tour. And in that time, um, Judy was doing the tours and uh, the son-in-law, they, they were helping out with that stuff. And uh, I think Lorraine had kind of stepped away from it a bit, but I was very lucky. And Lorraine was home and she was in good spirits. And it was insane because here is this woman who's basically the mother of modern supernatural, you know, I don't even know what to call it at this point. Paranormal adventures. <laughs> is that a show on the travel channel yet? Paranormal adventures. It should be, it might be. Um, I was absolutely blown away uh, just by how warm and how inviting this woman was. Lorraine was, I mean, first off, she was upstairs in the house. She didn't have to come down. She didn't have to say hello. She didn't, but instead I got, I was there for the nickel tour. I got the whole quarter. I got, I got the quarter tour. It was incredible. So Lorraine showed me all the books and, and the pictures of Ed and, and things that they had done. Now, of course, the, the big thing here is fans of the Conjuring series. There is the Warren's secret room of occult uh, and cursed objects. Now, she told me before we went in, because it's, it's down a little uh, outcove that goes down almost into a basement. So, and again... The Conjuring takes liberties, like if you've seen the first movie, uh, it takes place in Rhode Island and, and has a beautiful house and that tree that they constructed. Um, that was actually, you know, that was a, a big sculpture, weighed close to almost a ton, that tree that's in the movie where the, the woman's hanging from. Um, things obviously in the movies look a lot better than they do in real life. But I'm going to tell you something, and you can find pictures of it online and even right now, if you go and you, you want to contribute it, basically, I'll get into it now. This is what's going on. There's a zoning ordinance and they, they once the Conjuring films came out and took hold of the public consciousness, there were too many people coming to the house and it, it's Connecticut. You know what it's like there. And they basically said, there's no way that you can conduct tours. So that and COVID, um, you can go online. Uh, you can find it very easy. Just look up Ed and Lorraine 
And uh, you can go on virtual tours of the house now. And uh, here's the thing. And this is the thing. I got to say. She takes me down into this basement. And I'm going to tell you that the room she took me into where the occult and cursed objects are is far more terrifying than anything they could put on the screen. Um, you know, it's kind of this, this room that has a lock on it, uh, in the movies and it's, you know, very curated. Um, this was a room. Now this is the thing. Judy didn't, the daughter did not like going into the room whatsoever. She was, she would open the door. She would let people go down there. But like Lorraine told me straight up, she's like, when you're in this room, do not fixate on anything. Do not touch anything. Um, even specifically because we're all there to see the Annabelle doll. And the Annabelle doll in real life is really like a raggedy uh, Anne. It's not the doll that's in the movies. I mean, there might even be some rights issues there as far as can we use raggedy Anne? I don't know if that's public domain yet. But she told me very specifically, she's like, don't look into the doll's eyes. You bet your ass I did not look into that doll's eyes. I didn't. Um, You know, uh, when I started this episode... I had to start it. I have a cross in my hand, still in my hand. We, it's like uh, the aforementioned cross on the uh, tripod. And there's a reason because, and, and this is the thing, whenever you invoke these things, um, if you talk about them, if you write about them, if you investigate them, you're creating a door. And once that door is there, it's always there. And the more you poke and you prod the bear, the bear will eventually give you its full attention. And it's a very scary thing. Um, Getting to talk to Lorraine, she basically explained to me that if you don't have faith, you've got nothing. You've got no chance of fighting back or surviving these types of things. People always think that Oh, well, it's a haunting. It's going to be, you know, like the movie Poltergeist and it's going to be scary and we're going to see ghosts. And there's a lot of forces out there that don't even make themselves apparent. You have, you have these, you have different creatures and entities that they feed on energy. They feed on light. They feed on your life force and they can follow you. That's the thing. People think that, oh, you know, it's, it's a haunted house. Well, yeah, in a haunting but there's, there's different types of hauntings. As you know, there's poltergeists and there's demons. Now we talk about the demons, the fallen angels. Those things can follow you. They can attach themselves to you. They're not tied or bound by any laws or structure of man. They don't care. And a lot of times people, you know, Lorraine told me specifically, she said, don't screw around Ouija boards. Don't go to psychics. Don't try to do anything, any kind of incantations or anything that's outside of the wheelhouse. She goes, because you're inviting these things. You are basically giving them a door to enter and go through into your life. And it's very important that when you decide, hey, I'm going to start screwing around this stuff, you have some kind of a protection. And that's why I have the cross in my hand, because I know that when you talk about these things, you are inviting them into your life. So it's like I said, you got to have faith. And there's a lot of people, they don't want to believe what's out there. They don't want to believe. Ed and Lorraine, obviously, 1971, they had the case which became the film The Conjuring. 
Their most famous case was in 1976, right here on Long Island, the Amityville Horror. And that is obviously with the film with Margot Kidder and uh, James Brolin. That film really was a national sensation. So was the book. The book sold like hotcakes. You know, it really captured the imagination. I mean, had Poltergeist not come out like six years later, I think the Amityville would still be remembered as a, a very scary film. Um, they produced tapes, they produced recordings, um, they produced, you know, film, filmographic evidence, all kinds of different things to kind of show people like, Hey, this is real. This is not, you know, make-believe. Um, the Catholic church has gone on record many times. I mean, you could even ask the current Pope. They'll, they'll, they'll tell you, they know what's going on. Um, I think, it was a bit different in the 1970s. They weren't willing to acknowledge it. I feel like, uh, you know, you got like the exorcist and that really brings in the early seventies that brings into the consciousness, like, Oh my God, well, what's possession because you had the exorcist and then you had about a billion knockoff movies and some of them are good. Some of them are bad. I'm not going to get into it because that's a whole nother episode. Uh, possession became a real thing. People were like, hey, what, what is this? What is possession? Um, it's very real. Possession is a very real thing. It's a very scary thing. Uh, basically, it's you know giving up the control of, of your own soul and uh, something manifesting inside of you that's foreign. And I think that that always resonates. Even, you know, look at 1979's Alien. It's, it's something foreign coming into the body and it's growing and it's thriving and it needs to get out. It needs to basically uh, inflict its will upon the victim. And that's very much how possession works. Um, Lorraine was fantastic. And, you know, I felt like after I talked to her, I could go forward and I could kind of go on my own adventures and figure stuff out. And that probably was not the wisest decision. I would go to different places and... Uh, Lorraine said, hey, listen, when you go to one of these places, and you're investigating something, she goes, walk in, see how you feel. What do you feel? What, what speaks to you? What are you, what are you hearing? What are you thinking? You know, and she would know. And she knew even like with the Amityville haunting, she walked into the house and she knew she just knew something was wrong and pretty much almost passed out and had to get out of that house immediately. Uh, going back to the DeFeo murders, which was a whole nother ball of wax. Some people say the whole Amityville thing was made up, but to this day, the Warrens, they, they stated that it was very much so real. And they proved through a bunch of different evidence that they produced that there was in fact a haunting. Other people tell you that the Lutz family, who were the ones who were supposedly haunted, teamed up with their lawyer, who wrote the book, The Amityville Horror, and marketed the whole thing to get them out of debt. That might have been true. I mean, hey, everybody goes into debt, right? It's America, after all. But the reality of it is, is that something occurred in that house. And you have two of the most world-renowned, uh, you know, investigators. And they are putting, putting pen to paper and saying, yes, there is something going on in this home. Um, there were a lot of times, a lot of cases that she spoke about that, the Catholic Church would not touch. They just wanted nothing to do with it, whether for whatever reason. And um, you had 
families out there. You had people like, uh, you know, there, there was a family in Pennsylvania and they tried, they called, you know, the, the Catholic church, they called all these different people and they just would not come and they wouldn't help them. So I think what happens is you have people like Ed and Lorraine that become the last line of defense against some of these things that go bump in the night. Now, I went to this place in New Jersey, um, it's up in northern New Jersey, and uh, there was a school that was built there for the kids, and uh, the town would flood. It was a strange. It was a strange town because on one end of the town it was all going uphill, the other end of the town it was all going downhill and kind of like a gully. Um, basically, we went to this old school, and I. I, I saw some things. I, I, I saw what, what looked like to be some kind of a, a specter or shape of a child. And I felt a really bad energy. Like I just had to get the hell out of there. I was, I was with two other people and I just said, nope, nope, we're going to Taco Bell. I got <laughs> to get out of here. I got to get out of here. Well, we did a l- little more history on it. What actually ended up happening was um, there was a huge storm. And they put all the kids in the school in the early part of the, the 20th century uh, because of this storm and the town was flooding. Because like I said, part of it was uphill and the bottom was a big gully and everything in the town was flooding out. Unfortunately, all the children were sleeping in there. And at this time, you know, electricity was still hit or miss. So somebody knocked over a kerosene lamp. The whole school caught fire and pretty much everybody in there died. Now, I didn't know this. But I fucking sure as hell felt it, okay? Whatever was there, it was not a malevolent energy. It was just the energy of suffering. And a lot of times you'll go to different places and we talk about vibrations. And and this, this goes into the passage of time. And the only way that I can describe this, it's like a tree. When you cut open a tree, there's rings within the tree. And that shows you how old the tree is. Places tend to absorb energy and they, if something bad happens in a place and the older a place is, the more energy it's able to pull. So what ends up happening is you go to these places and they're just, they're, they're like an echo chamber of all these different memories and events that have occurred in the past. It's insane to think about. I mean, that every place has a history. It's like, it's almost, there's a temptation whenever you go to find a place to live that you get a new place, a place that was just built. Um, we can't all do that because it's just, it's it's not in everybody's cards to, to, you know, have their home built for them fresh. So whenever you go to a place, it has those echoes. It has those previous, uh, previous tenants who might've experienced some things, seen some things, and now you're getting the echo of it. And, um, even if you are someone like, um, Ed Warren, who believes in science and always looks for the logical explanation, uh, it doesn't matter because ultimately whatever has happened or transpired in a location tends to stay there. And that is what we know in the traditional aspect of what we call a haunting. A haunting is a place that has absorbed this energy and now it reverberates it. And essentially 
These are what we call traditional ghosts, and they're basically bound to this place. They're bound to this place because they're suffering, they're in sorrow, they want something, or they're confused, they don't know where they are. Because when you get into it, the spectral plane does not really apply to the same rules. We have rules, you know, there, there's gravity. You know, there's, there's all kinds of things. We have, we have rules in the scientific world. When you're dealing with things of a supernatural nature, those same rules do not apply. Now, I can't believe that this film series has become such a success, but it has. It has captivated the imagination of people worldwide. And I would say it's a testament to Ed and Lorraine Warren. Um, not just as paranormal investigators, but as a husband and wife, as parents, as people. And luckily, through their adventures and through their journeys, the other side of it is that we get to enjoy these embellished adventures that they had through the magic of the Conjuring films. You're listening to The Offering with Jerry Hara. Got a question or a story you want to share with me? It might be featured in a future episode. Email me at jerryhara at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at jerryhara. I'm also on Instagram. You can find me there at jerryhara. Rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts and you might find your review in an upcoming episode. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to The Offering. Now back to the show. The Conjuring was made in 2013 by James Wan. James Wan had had success with his partner, Leigh Whannell, when they did the movie Saw. It became a juggernaut. And it was the highest grossing franchise until James Wan created another franchise. And before that, the other franchise that was one of the highest grossing was the Insidious franchise, which was more, you know, Leigh Whannell's project. Uh, ultimately, this movie struck a chord and it worked. Uh, you know, like I said, as aforementioned with Patrick Wilson, Vera Farmiga playing Ed and Lorraine Warren, this film clicked. And they couldn't have cast, and this is what Lorraine said, she said, they couldn't have cast anybody that was better. It was perfect. You know, it pretty much sums up who they were. And I think intrinsically, had both of those actors not understood that the heart of the story really was the heart, it was really the love between these people. That's kind of why this all works. And when they were doing this, the original name of the movie was going to be The Warren Files. Um, but they thought at that time, because the second X-Files movie <laughs> had come out, they're like, we're not calling anything The Files. The Files is played out. Um, when the movie was shown in the Philippines, some cinemas had to hire Catholic priests to bless the viewers before showing it. This was due to some viewers having reported a negative effect after watching the film. The priests also provided spiritual and psychological help to the viewers. Now, again, uh, when they do these films, they brought in, when they did the first film, I mean, they, they do it on all of them now, but it set the precedent. They brought in three priests. And basically what they did was they went to every location that they would be shooting at. They blessed, they used holy water. They blessed the cast, the crew, the whole nine. Because Lorraine kind of put it into the contract. is like, hey, if you're going to do this stuff, you're invoking it. You're poking the bear again, and you might not like the results. And that's why I have my cross. <laughs> that's why I'm doing what I do, because 
I'm not interested in poking the bear. Like I said, you see these things once, you might not want to see them again. Now, initially, The Conjuring was given an R rating by the MPAA. Filmmakers had thought that the final cut had a chance of getting more box office PG-13 friendly. So, of course, the studio was like, hey, you know, we could probably get it down to a PG-13 and put a lot more money in our pockets. Well, unfortunately, they asked the ratings board for a clarification as to why they could not have a PG-13 film. The MPAA stated simply that the film was so scary by everyone that they showed it to within the organization that there were no cuts or edits possible that would make it a viable PG-13 film. The filmmakers did not want to alter the film's tone and accepted the R rating without any appeals. Now, this is, this is a blessing in disguise because it's one thing if the Motion Picture Association of America wants to tell you, hey, look, you've got to cut your film down and then we can give you a PG-13. The overall tone and story was in fact so scary and dreadful that they were like, look, no matter what you cut out of this movie, it doesn't matter. It's still scary. And I think that's a testament to what James Wan did with this film. It really is incredible. Uh, before my mother passed, she loved The Conjuring. She thought it was great. You know, she, I mean, obviously coming from a, an Italian Catholic family, we do latch on to these things because it's it's familiar to us. We we, we it's kind of the it's like when you hear older relatives talking about things, and you're a little kid, and you walk into the room, and everybody goes silent. We all know that these stories are out there, and over time, generation through generation, through family through family, they're passed. So The Conjuring really is one of those stories that. It is so good that this, that it gets passed on. And now the ultimate form of that is obviously through cinema. The Conjuring contains no sex or nudity, very little profanity. Um, it's tame, mostly bloodless violence. Uh, there's a brief depiction of alcohol and there's no smoking, you know, because nobody's lighting up a joint either. Yet it received an R rating. And again... They said it's not because there's no <laughs> They said this movie is scary. And like I said, if the Motion Picture Association says that your movie's scary and it has to be R, I think you've done your job. I, I think that's a satisfactory report that there's nothing you can do. Um, Patrick Wilson and uh, Vera Farmiga, they traveled to Connecticut. They met with Lorraine and made sure to get her blessing. And uh, up until her passing in 2019, they kept going back to her and saying like, okay, now we're doing the second film, you know, uh, what, what should we know? Um, and Lorraine, God bless her, up until her death, she was incredibly hands-on and just opened up everything in her life and said, okay, go, go do it, have fun with it. The Conjuring broke box office records in 2013 total of $41 million in its opening weekend. Again, it's not a sequel. It's it's not a franchise yet. It's it's a wholly original film based on the Warren Files. It stands as the third highest grossing opening weekend for an R-rated horror film right behind Paranormal Activity 3 and Hannibal. Uh, the Conjuring made a total of $137 million at the box office 
And get ready for this, folks, $270 million worldwide. Uh, We can see why this became a franchise, to say the least. Uh, The real Annabelle doll that was used, again, like I told you, it was Raggedy Ann doll that was bought by uh, Donna's mother at a hobby shop and was unknown for leaving notes on parchment when there was no parchment around. Um, The makers of the movie decided, hey, we have to make this doll look more sinister. It just doesn't work. So that's why you, you see this embellished version of Annabelle if you go and look at pictures. And like I said... Go to Ed and Lorraine's website and uh, take a look. Go on the virtual tour. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Ultimately, The Conjuring has its... We now have The Conjuring verse because there was such an attraction immediately to this Annabelle doll that we got the first spinoff, which was Annabelle. I mean, come on. There, there was no way around it. Everybody loves a good creepy doll story. Uh, it's... Given birth to, you have the nun with uh, the evil creature Valak, who takes the appearance and form of a nun. You have the curse La Llorona, and, uh, you know, that's the story of The Weeping Woman, which is one of the more underseen films. They tried to market La Llorona as um, a film more more towards the Latin American uh, population, and it kind of didn't take for whatever reason. I think they should have called it The Weeping Woman. People would have been, I don't know, it's just something about The Weeping Woman. It just sounds a lot scarier. Uh, And that's what they called the film overseas because, you know, obviously in some places they don't speak uh, Espanol, so they got to call it something else and market it. We've got toys. Universal Studios is talking about doing a haunted house with uh, based on the Warren Files and the Conjuring verse. This is a big deal because you've got you've got the three central films, you've got all these spin-offs, um, and you don't really see that for horror films. For horror films, like you know, we have like twelve entries in the Friday the Thirteenth series, but that was like spread out over twenty something years. This is something that's been around since 2013 and the year of our Lord is 2021 and we're already on the ninth film. Um, it, it's a juggernaut and there's no stopping it. But whether you like the movies or not, I really implore you to go and explore the Warrens because there is a lot of scary stuff. And I have to tell you, there... <laughs> There are things, there, case files of theirs that uh, Lorraine had showed me and it, absolutely scarier than anything you've seen in the films. Um, even in the film series now, when you have the three core Conjuring films, first movie is uh, 1971, and then the next movie is like 78. There are scarier stories, but The Devil Made Me Do It is in the early 80s. So even now in the films, in those three core films, we've traveled an entire decade plus with the Warrens. Um, There were some rumors that they were trying to get a TV show going. And it was going to be with, obviously, the younger version of Ed and Lorraine uh, in the 1950s, 1960s. And here's the thing. This is why you can't do it. Well, you could do it, but Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga have set such a high bar for what this series is. If you try to pull that 
bait and switch. It's like, yeah, the young Indiana Jones kind of worked, but did it really? Because here's the thing. Can anyone be as charismatic, charming, and dashing as Harrison Ford? Once that person is in your head, it's very hard. Um, they did it with James Bond. I mean, Roger Moore was was the longest James Bond for the most part. Daniel Craig now coming in a, a, a hot second place. Um, I don't know if you can swap these actors out. And this third film is the first film that is not directed by James Wan, um, which has me a bit worried. And early on into the production, they were like, hey, let's kind of make it a young Ed and Lorraine adventure. And the studio wants to do that because they know they're going to make their money, but they realize that these actors who portray Ed and Lorraine are the heart of the film. And that by doing that, you cheapen the whole franchise. I hope they, they stay on par. And I hope that this new film is on the quality of the first two because there, there was a very high bar that was set there. These films uh, have made so much money. They've captivated so many people's imaginations and hopefully opened up a larger world to viewers that they have never experienced before because, you know, there's science, there's things, there's, 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 I'm trying to think of, of the best way to say this, but there is a method to the madness. And I think that a lot of people who are interested in ghost hunting, demonology, it, really the modern pioneers of it are Ed and Lorraine Warren. And that's what it comes down to. Um, Everything that we know up until this point, largely you go to any of these people that are on your travel channel shows and they're going to tell you exactly who were, who the pioneers were. So it's kind of nice that these films live on uh, in celluloid and they're able to capture their love. And I think what it was too is that they knew that a lot of people, if you say you got a ghost in your house, people think you're crazy. They, they do. Their first thing, like, you're crazy. Um, so there were a lot of people who who they couldn't, uh, they couldn't find help through other means. And Ed and Lorraine were there. They were there to help them. Uh, you've had cover-ups. You, you've had, you know, cover-ups that happened in Connecticut where they were, you know, they disavowed that any kind of haunting happened, even though people <laughs> got damn near murdered by uh, some kind of supernatural specter. That's uh, neither here nor there. Ultimately, though, at the end of the day, um, we're really lucky. We're really lucky that we have this testament to their work and it's exciting and it lives on in these new adventures in its own cinematic universe. Uh, I can't think of anything else that really has taken off like this. So it, it again, like I said, it, it comes down to the love of what they did. And, you know, it was crazy because one last thing, just one last thing. Uh, Judy uh, Warren, she's married now. She's a different name. Judy told me, she said uh, she was kind of happy when her father passed because, and, and not the way you think. She was happy when Ed passed because she knew that he wouldn't have to fight anymore. And... That was what they did. Uh, they were kind of fighters, you know. They were, they were, 
you know, it's like when you go to jail and they're like, you get a court appointed lawyer, they were like your court appointed ghostbusters. They were, you know, like when you've, when you're out of money, you've got no one to turn to, Ed and Lorraine would be there. Uh, they never asked money. They never took money from people, which is like absolutely baffling to think that. So you could say like, oh, they're just hucksters out there taking advantage. No, they weren't taking advantage of people. They were looking to document things. And, and it, you know, the way they started was in the beginning, in the early 60s, Ed and Lorraine would go to a house and Ed would find out. This was before they knew that Lorraine was clairvoyant. They, they weren't aware that she had all these powers and whatnot. So the rub was essentially that they go to the house where there was some kind of haunting or whatnot, and Ed would paint the house and what he saw. And then he would give it to the people as an icebreaker. And that's kind of where the investigations began. Because in the late 50s, early 1960s, you couldn't just, you know, run up to people. People would really... Things were different. We used to burn people that were accused of being witches. What do you think they're going to do if you show up at somebody's house and say, hey, tell me all about the haunting you're experiencing? That's crazy. Absolutely crazy stuff. Well, hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. A little bit different. You know, sometimes we've got to do some different stuff. Uh, go watch these films. They're great. They're a lot of fun. You know, like I said, it's it's good popcorn stuff and you know that it came from a real place. And I think that is part of the magic is that they're well-made entertaining films that are based on fact. And of course, they're embellished. But then again, what good story isn't? Ladies and gentlemen, this has been The Offering. I am Jerry Hara. And don't forget, folks, peace of mind is priceless. You've been listening to The Offering with Jerry Hara. I'm very sorry. Produced by Pete Bune. If you have a question or a story you want to share with me, we'd love to hear from you. You can email me at jerryhara at gmail.com or hit us up at Twitter at jerryhara or on Instagram at jerryhara. You get in the picture? Subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are provided for you and your family. I want you to enjoy. Just join us next time for another offering.